Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Let's pick it up in verse 5. So David arose and came to the place where Saul had encamped, and David saw the place where Saul lay. And Abner, the son of Ner, of course, the commander of, of his army. So I noted that, just you can note who, who's immediately surrounding him. You know, it's, it's Saul's laying there, Abner's right nearby, and all the other guys are, are you know, they're, they're crashed out, just sleeping out in the wilderness, sleeping out under the stars type thing. They're camping. And he's just kind of surrounded, though, by all this close guys, you know, the guys that would be defenders of him, you know, the warriors and stuff. And Abner, the key guy. Now Saul lay within the camp with the people encamped all around him, as I just described. Then David answered and said to Ahimelech, the Hittite, and to Abishai, the son of, ooh, that's a rough one, the brother of Joab, saying, who will go, you know, I don't want to embarrass myself too far with that one. You guys work on that pronunciation yourself. Who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? So he puts out this question. This is a cool thought because one, David's not sending someone else to do something he doesn't want to do. David's willing, he's a great leader, just like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You want to find good leadership? Man, you look to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a perfect leader. He did for you what nobody could ever do for you and for me. And he is more than a friend. He's a savior. He he is willing to the very end to sacrifice his own life that you might have life and that I might have life. You know, the Bible is very clear on this and and the, the level of sacrifice and the type of leadership that he have. Now, Abishai is one of David's nephews. And he says, as he asks these two guys, who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? I would be like, ooh, God, I don't know, dude. That's, uh... But Abishai said, I will go down with you. He goes, man, I, I, I want to go. Can you imagine? Sure, Uncle David, sounds great, man. You know, <laughs> that sounds like an adventure and a half. But, you know, he's going to go down and, and kind of right into the encampment there. So I, just the curiosity is it would be fascinating just in and of itself just to want to go for that. So David and Abishai came to the people by night and there Saul lay sleeping within the camp with his spear stuck in the ground by his head and Abner and the people lay all around him. Then Abishai said to David, I like verse eight, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. You remember in the cave in Engedi? Remember his friends said the same thing to him. Same thing. Again, the same thing is happening. God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. I'm sure they were talking probably really, really quiet. You know, (laughs) dude, don't wake him up. (laughs) You know, can you imagine? Now, therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear right to the earth. He goes, I'll 
pin him right to the ground. And then, he, and listen, I like this last part a lot. And I will not have to strike him a second time. I will make this count. Trust me, let me just do this, dude. Can you imagine? These guys are on the run. There's about 600 guys. The original 400 that we had marked out for us were pretty messed up. And they're just, they've been holed up and running around and here and there and trying to get food from this place and that place and just, you know, on the go, on the go. And they're on the go because of this dude. And we can eliminate this problem right here and right now and go back home and worship in the temple and just get our lives back on track, you know? Dave, let's do it. You don't have to do a thing. Matter of fact, David, I'll do it for you. Can you imagine the temptation for David? Well, Abishai couldn't, I, I, you know, dude, we couldn't yell at him. I mean, what was I going to do? You know, I mean, you kind of see. This brings up some interesting thoughts for us to think through and to work through for ourselves. The temptation, again, the testing, is this opportunity? Is this something that's a good thing, that's, that's an opportunity? Or is this a testing? Now, now, David went through this one time, Right? And David's heart was quickened. Remember, after he cut the garment, his heart was quickened. He thought, oh man, I shouldn't have even done that. What the, oh, God, I gotta get, you know. So he's, he goes away and he does tell some, hey man, I was right there with you. Look at, send me your garment. You know, he tells him, all, you remember the story. Well, here he's in this same kind of a situation, except he's got to talk really quiet. It's the only thing different. But he's in this spot. And again, it's, is it an opportunity? Is this something that, that God, that, is this a blessing that's presented to me? Is this, this just this perfect situation, this scenario that has been set up and this is great? Or is this, ooh, wait a minute. Those are always such good things to think through. That's why we're spending a minute on it again. Is it right? Would it have been right? Was it right for David, even though it was in his power to take this matter into his own hands again? Was that the right thing to do in this situation? We know, we know. This is, the, the danger in this is it's potentially what you could look at as a presumptuous sin. He could be presuming, you see, that this is something that he should take opportunity on thinking that his enemy has been delivered into his hand when in fact, he's got to remember who Saul is. That's the key, because God anointed Saul as an instrument of his, of the gods. God anointed him as an instrument. And that is where David is absolutely fixated on that. So you, me, all of us have to be careful with our sometimes overzealous friends. Sometimes the zeal of others, we can get caught up in that. Yeah, this is the, oh yeah, we got, you know pin him to the ground and be done with it, you know? Put him out of our misery. Get rid of him. Now, David again has to talk very quietly. So we have to listen in cautiously. David says to Abishai, do not destroy him. For who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? God's instrument. Should we stretch out our hand against him? God's using him to shape and mold and build character into our lives, even though it's an agitation. Man, we've got to see this for what this is. Man, if you strike out, if we strike out our hand against God, man, God is, now we're, we're gonna be enemies of God. We gotta be wise, we gotta be cautious, we gotta be smart about this. We can't get caught up in this moment. 
in the zeal and, and the situation. And David furthermore whispers to Abishai, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him or his day shall come to die or he shall go out to battle and perish. He says, one way or the other, this guy's gonna be, this guy's done. This guy's making bad decisions. Look at where we're standing. There he is laying right there. Abner's right there. And we're in the middle of the camp. They're all just sawing logs, you know? We can, we can just kill him right now. You know, this, can you imagine what's going on in his mind? And so he says, hey, the Lord's either gonna strike him dead He's just gonna die, just physically, just have a, just die, or he's gonna go out to battle and perish in battle. One, one, of, one of those three, something's gonna happen. And other basically he's saying, hey, God's gonna take care of this. That, that's basically what he's saying. God's gonna deal with this matter. God's gonna take care of it. The Lord forbid in verse 11 that I should, should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed, but please take now the spear and the jug of water that are by his head and let us go. Grab the spear, this canteen, and let's get out of here. Let's split. Obviously, certainly his spear is, I'm sure, well-defined and marked out as his, you know, you can imagine. You know, guys that are real into guns or guys that are real into knives or guys, you know, you get the customized thing, you know, especially if they're the big leader of the pack type thing, theirs is marked up a certain way. And well, I'm sure his spear is all identified as his and something that he had sitting right there with him. Probably his canteen similar. Don't drink out of that. That's Saul's canteen. What are you doing? You know, it's just so they grab both of those significant items that are identified with Saul that he's got right next to him. And he probably always had them right next to him. Wherever he slept, wherever he was, that stuff was boom, right there by him. You remember, he's already thrown his spear several times. <laughs> David recognizes his spear. He's had close, close contact with that a few different times, hadn't he? As we'd gone through our stories with us. So David took the spear and the jug of water by Saul's head and they got away. And no man saw or knew it or awoke where they were all asleep. Now they could have been a period there, but look at what we read on. Because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. God was at work. God was moving. One of the interesting things that I love to note when we see him every once in a while is little things like that that are providence. God at work behind the scenes. God on the move. God doing things in unique, unusual ways, just kind of in the background. Do you realize when you go through Esther, there's not one mention of God? Not one mention of God in Esther. And yet it's all about God and it's no mistaking it. It's all about the providence of God. God at work behind the scenes. Think back to your own coming to the Lord and stuff and you realize, oh yeah, that event, that event, that event, that situation, those people, all those things start to add up to, oh yeah, God was at work behind the scenes. These things were happening. That person talked to me. That went down. This happened. And this, sometimes there's even horrible things that we can remember that went on that got us to that point of breaking us to where we opened our lives up to the Lord. And that's awesome. That's the simple truth of God at work, the providence of the Lord, God on the move behind the scenes. And, and what I like about that is whether you know it or not, 
whether I know it or not, whether I'm willing to recognize it or not. I certainly want to now, okay? But in our past, maybe we didn't. And maybe sometimes we don't now, but we gotta remember, even though we don't see it, God's on the move. God's working. You think God's not working today? Oh, God's working. God's doing wonderful, wonderful things. As he's getting ready to send his son, step back on the scene again. Man, all kinds of world things are happening. Big issues in the banking world, big issues with monetary things all over the globe. And so many are crying out, man, we just need a universal currency. We need someone to head that up. Man, if, and yet, Satan's just playing the violin and we're just kind of, you know, getting all groggy and ready to go right to sleep. And yet it's all happening, man. It's in motion. God's moving. The things are getting set up and put in place. You realize just it wasn't that many years ago when all, you remember late great planet Earth with Hal Lindsey, 1968, 1969, 1972, 1971, whatever, in that time period, you know, he wrote this book and everything, oh, gosh, what a freak, you know? And everybody's trying to, you know, some people are saying, gosh, it kind of makes sense, you know, but this whole mark of the beast and this, you know, this, you know, chip that would hold everybody's information or anything like this is just bizarre, freaky stuff, you know? How could this ever happen? Well, yeah. Now it's common practice. You put the chip like that in your pet so they can identify and find your pet when you lose it. Oh, this belongs to them. Well, we ought to get it back. Think about what's gonna happen with now. You, it, you, you, you can't leave the hospital recently. I, at least this is what I have watched transpire. Most hospitals, you can't leave the hospital w- with your baby unless you get a social security number for them. That's correct. So, you know, it, it's just interesting it's all getting put into place. And I'm not saying, so your social security number is not the mark of the beast. I'm not saying that. I don't think that. <laughs> this is the type of thing that produces a lot of email later. No, not thinking that. Not thinking that at all. But what I am saying is it's the precursor. Okay, now what about identification that's gonna be simpler? Isn't it gonna be simpler if we just put a little chip in them, then you know, we can identify them, we can track them. We can, you know, they're, everybody's traceable. We know where everybody is. As a matter of fact, look, at they keep losing identity theft, identity theft, identity theft. We can get rid of all that. Put a chip, where are you chipping your phone? You scan yourself through and you know, <laughs> off you go, right? You know? Oh, he's out of money, back of the line, you know? You know, no groceries for you. You get all this stuff. It's, God is allowing all this stuff to transpire. It's behind the scenes. We don't really see it all coming together. Right now, it just seems like Pastor Jim's kind of a goofball and he just believes weird things. But, oh no, this is gonna happen. We're there, we're on the threshold of all of this. I'm not getting a chip. I'm telling you that right now. I am not gonna be a party to it. I don't mind using the debit card. I don't mind, but we're gonna draw a line on the chips. No insertion of items like that into my being. I'm not gonna be a part of it. Well, you won't be able to eat. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'll have to do something. You know, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Either that or going to subsistence farming somewhere. You get what I'm saying, it's just not gonna happen. We can't do some of these things. We're gonna be in, you know, setting ourselves up for something worse. God at work behind the scenes. Now, in verse 13, David went over to the other side and stood on the top of a hill afar off and a great distance between them, 
obviously wisely. He's not an idiot. He makes sure he's got plenty of distance between them. And David called out to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, now he's obviously been calling out for a while. It's just probably about daybreak. So you're kind of getting a picture of what's going down. And he's just hollering out to him, kind of starting to vibe him, you know? Pretty bold move on his part. He's just boldly crying out to them, kind of giving them a hard time a little bit. Do you not answer, Abner? He's crying out to him, yelling at him. And Abner answered and said, who are you calling out to the king? And so David said to Abner, are you not a man? Wow, Abner's a tough dude. So the, the, that's fighting words right there. So Abner's gonna get straight upset now. Are you not a man? And who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded your Lord, the king? For one of the people came in to destroy your Lord, the king. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die. Wow. This is what he's yelling out to Abner and to the whole group of them over there. You deserve just to die, dude because you have not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that is by his head. You can imagine, you know, he's holding that stuff up. Why don't you go look for that? It's a bold statement. It's a, it's a really in your face kind of thing, but he's making a real clear point. Hey man, God's given me favor. I could have come in and done, take it, I could have taken the king's life right now, but man, we did not. But you have not done your job in guarding the king. Really aggressive, aggressive way to wake up call. This guy's quite, you know, he's the, as we talked about, Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of his army. This guy is like, he's the great warrior in the, in the crowd there. Basically, David's yelling at him, why have you failed? You've failed the king. You've failed God. Why have you failed? It's really challenging where they're at on a lot of levels. And then Saul knew David's voice and said, is that your voice, my son, David? And David said, it is my voice, my Lord, O king. And he said, why does my Lord thus pursue his servant? Again, the same question. You remember David asked the same question before. Why are you coming out after me like this? For what have I done or what evil is in my hand? He says, what is the, what's the situation? Why are you after me like this? What's the indictment? Now, therefore, please let my Lord, the king, hear the words of his servant. He says, okay, listen, Saul, listen to me. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. If this, I, I want to I appease God by this. I want to offer up an offering. If in fact, that there's, if, if you're an instrument of chastening, if that's what this is about, if, if you're chasing, chasing me to chasten me, you get what I'm saying? If, if there's something, some issue that I need to repent of or get straightened out, let me know. That's what he's asking for from, if the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. But if it is the children of men, may they be cursed from the Lord. 
is if you're just listening to the lies of the other people about me, he says, for they have, let them be cursed of the Lord, for they have driven me out this day from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. In other words, he's saying, look at man, I, I want to worship. Think about this. He can't really be in the tabernacle and the gathering. He can't be in the midst of the people of God. He can't be in that spot. David can't get there. And so he's saying, I, I want to be a part of of, of the family of God. I, I want to be in, a, in the gathering of the believers. I, I want to I be in, in the midst of, of what we're, we're supposed to have as God's people. He's wanting to be in that gathering with them. And so now, do not let my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. For the King of Israel has come out to seek a flea. Just this harmless, you know, what, what are you coming after? I, 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 here I've had another opportunity, a second opportunity to absolutely take you out and I've not done it. Why do you keep coming at, you're coming after someone who's harmless or as one who hunts a partridge in the mountains, just chasing me like this. And then Saul said, this gets real significant. These are some of the concluding words that we're gonna find from Saul some of his last words. This is his last basic interchange with David, okay? And so it's, it's, it's significant. It matters that we, we kind of catch this because this is kind of, this, this is his vantage of his life as he looks back at his own life. As Saul looks back at it, he says, Saul said in verse 21, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will harm you no more because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. Saul's life stood for all the wrong things. Basically, that's what he's saying. My life has represented nothing that was really of any value. Why would we stop and, and kind of spend a moment on this and think about this? As these are some of his, this is his final interchange really with David. And that this is what now he's been left with. And the reality is, is all of us, our lives stand for something. What is it that we really stand for? Hi, this is Pastor Jim. I know as you've been listening to the word today that God uh, may very well be speaking to many of you. And maybe some of you just need to come back to the Lord. Maybe some of you need to give your life to the Lord who've never given your lives to the Lord. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, Jesus said that calling out to those who are burdened with the things of life. And Jesus wants us to come alongside with him. He is gentle and lowly in heart. 
And that's where we're going to really find rest for our souls. It's a simple prayer of faith. And I just want to pray this simple prayer along with you. So if you just want to pray this, whether you're driving or whether you're sitting at home or wherever you are, you might be in your office, you might have this coming on through your earbuds, but the Lord wants to make himself known to you and for you to have a personal relationship with him. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a personal relationship. And it starts by just saying yes to Jesus and giving your life to him. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I want to give my life to you. I want to ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. I want to cast all my cares upon you, knowing that you care for me. And I know that, uh, Lord, I feel weighted down and burdened by the things of this life. And and I just want to have that newness of life. And so I ask that you'd come into my life and be my personal Lord and Savior. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior into my heart. And I ask that you would just Continue that work that you've begun in my life right now. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And if you're social media savvy, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Calvary Chapel KC. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store now, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com, or you can simply contact the church office at 913-681-1635. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountain. Come, Lord Jesus, come.